For better or worse, chaos reigns in Amilta. The gods are asleep, the kings dethroned, the land unruled except by its own nightmares. For better or worse, the age of order in Amilta is over. Nations and institutions melted with the mountains, sunk into the veldt with the rest of the ruins. People are left deciding on their own how to take care of each other, how to live their lives and how to rebuild. And whether this is for better or worse is now for them to decide. Welcome to Sort of Symphonies. I am your host, your king, your inevitable force of destruction. It is me, Kat. Hi, Kat. Hi, Kirsten. Hello, Kat. Is this your monster heel turn? <laughs> I've been steadily working on a monster heel turn for a very, very long time. With me today, we have Kirsten. It's me. Hello, everyone. We have got Kathleen. Hi there. And we have got Nick. Hi, everybody. And technology ghosts. We have a lot of technology ghosts today, everybody. It's true. It's true. We do. I was kind of hoping to pretend they didn't exist. But uh, Nick never lets me do that. Technology ghosts are not as cool as you'd think they'd be. No, they're not. Like you watch Ghost in the Shell and you get all these very cool ideas about like what makes a human being. And then in real life, it's just Discord hates you for some reason. Yeah. And Ghost in the Shell 2 tells us that the net is vast and infinite, but now it's only like four websites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It used to be vaster and infinite or for sure. Previously on Sword of Symphonies, the party engaged in a long debate with the Chosen Emperor, who, while loyal to the shattered remains of the Dale of Juga, was not able to hear the god's voice and was basically left for himself to determine what the god needed or wanted, which, I mean, worked out to some extent, not probably great, but he uh, was doing his best. But the party convinced him to part with Folkwin's staff. And when last we saw the party, the Chosen Emperor extended an arm to motion toward the crater in which the shattered pieces of the Daleth were stored. And Tissa lets go of Penelope's hand and picks her spear back up, I guess, because it must be on the ground right now, and takes a step toward the crater. The lesser daemons gathered around kind of perk up in interest and are watching keenly. The chosen emperor himself does not move. Another step. They're starting to grow like tense. You can see their little shoulders creeping up. Another. And again, the emperor stands there, arm extended. Three steps. And all of a sudden, she is on the slope. Is Gideon coming with her? I was about to say that you do hear footsteps behind you, yes. Mm -hmm. Tissa looks back and extends her arm again. Gideon reaches forward and grabs onto your arm. And you must have known this, but she has an iron grip. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if this is the first time you've been exposed to it at full strength, but she is extremely strong. <laughs> and she, while clutching at your arm, steps down beside you and eventually relaxes her grip to let her hand drift down and take you by the hand. It's still really bright in here. Yeah. Okay. And definitely steadying herself, she walks to the amulet. Yeah. The staff is lying at the top of the pile. It was added most recently. A simple wooden staff with, if I remember right, a wrought iron head within which a piece of greenish stone fractured and faceted, roughly broken rather than carved. The wooden shaft of it worn smooth and shiny in places. Hmm. Do you want to pick it up? No, I... you need your... Mm. And just, she sort of like lets go of Ged's hand because it's like the between, there's four hands, all four of them are occupied. Ged has her sword, I'm sure. Yeah. Tissa has her spear. <laughs> Neither of them are letting go of those things. Yeah. Sort of like, uh, uh, oh, yeah. And Tissa leans down and picks it up. And there's kind of a weird little anxious chirp that comes from a couple of the no- of lesser daemons as you make contact with it, but the emperor is still still and silent. Okay. Okay. And they turn back around. Yep. This has been the longest 45 seconds of their life recently. Yeah. At least of Tessa's. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And the emperor pauses. It's hard to tell that the emperor is pausing because the emperor has been silent and still up to this point. But he raises a hand as if tentatively beginning to speak, but does not for a couple seconds. You said he wants to summon people here like the others do, right? That's what it felt like. Mm. Then I will wait here. And he settles on the ground, folding the four legs of his currently partially equine body beneath him. I hope that patience doesn't hurt too much. I expect that waiting looks different for you than it does for me. And Tissa looks back at the party, looks up at all of the assembled lesser daemons, looks off to the desert, and like all at once a lot of tension is relieved for about a second and then she stiffens again. How are we going to get down? It's worth noting, now that it's finally been brought up on Mike, that as you look out over the desert from the plateau, you can see the place where you met Hector. It's weird looking down at it from above. It's not far from here. 
there in an identifiable spot that you could point to, and you could, for the first time, perhaps show others, you almost died. Your grave would have been right there. Yeah. And here you are, standing above it, looking out over the entire desert. The enormity of the place that you tried to conquer in those days. And the sky is vast over the desert. Especially north, as the land flattens out, leaving a great stretch of even horizon. Vaguely, very, very vaguely, shadowed in faint blue-gray, you can kind of see the last tooth, if you squint. And to the north, there are little blips on the horizon. Oasis, perhaps. And from here, they look so tiny. Is there a way down that's not back through the caves? The plateau doesn't have a perfectly sheer side. Mm -hmm. It would take a little doing. You could go down the side of the plateau, yeah. Mm. It would take some rope. It would take some mountaineering. So Tissa convenes with everybody. Um, I think we should leave now. It would be a lot harder than going back through the cave, but we don't have to go back through the cave to get down. Let's let's not go through the cave. Y- yeah. Mm. I mean I mean there's there's rope. Yeah. We can climb. Yeah. I could maybe start setting up a a line of anchors uh I think Penelope's going to roll a daring athletics to kind of mm-hmm. set up a good, um, yeah, find a good like anchor to start to the rope on the side of this cliff. Oh shit! Or oh, plateau. Shit. Oh shit! What if you rolled riding though? Ooh! Oh, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I could hop on Polly, and then we could do it together. Okay, yeah. I like that. I like that. Yeah. I, I like that a great deal. Polly is here, and I gotta tell you, not stoked about returning to the tunnels. Don't like it. Polly much rather would go down the side. Yeah, oh yeah, Polly can just go down the side. Like, Polly <laughs> can just fly. She would much rather do that. All right. Uh, and, um, maybe... Maybe you and Pollyanna can take the baby? Yes. Yes. And uh, Penelope kind of... How far is Sod, I assume, close, right next to us? Like, yeah. Yeah. He has not been further from arm's reach from Cobb until Cobb went to go yell at the demon. <laughs> uh, so Penelope hops on uh, Polly and then extends a hand down for Sot. Yeah. He takes your hand and clambers up. This isn't the first time you've taken him for a ride, if I remember right. So he, he settles in behind you and wraps his little arms around your waist. All right, Sot. Here we go. Here we go. Penelope gets two successes, one edge. Perfect. So what you're trying to do is basically scout out a good route. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, I think that's the best thing. And then once I find a good route, we can maybe set up some rope. Perfect. So I think with two successes, you find that there's a stretch along the north face of the plateau that has some sturdy and determined little desert trees growing from it. 
Okay. It's very craggy. There's a lot of boulders. There's a lot of trees. A lot of things you can anchor on. So Penelope does a survey, circles back, and basically points out the good route that we can start anchoring maybe some ropes along and make our way down. Yeah. And I mean, Salt's very little. He's not particularly strong, but he knows his way around rope. He's been living on a ship. He's good at rope. He knows rope better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think he does know rope better than Penelope, given that he was raised in a fishing village. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's that too. Yeah, Cobb just kind of takes a look at the route and goes, oh, that's, that's no more dangerous than going up and down the mast. So, yeah, let's get started. Right. Mm. So I think what I would like is daring athletics rolls from everybody. We can do that. Two successes. Oh, that is a very, very, very... Are you making the roll? Yeah, you don't have to roll. Oh, okay. I thought you can we just okay. go down. <laughs> you have a flying elk. <laughs> okay. That was a lot of twos and threes. Cobb got one success and one edge success. Oh, oh dear. Oof. I think if you keep the edge success, you will make it safely to the bottom. However, you will increase the difficulty for everyone else climbing. I'd rather you stay safe, please. If that's what Tissa wants, then I will take the edge success. So yeah, you feel your rope jerk out of place as you are climbing and you stop and you wait. And it doesn't seem like it is going to let you down, but you've lost an anchor. But Kav makes it safely to the ground. Sorry, what did Tissa get? Two successes. Two successes would have been good enough. Mm -hmm. Because two successes is what I wanted. Ah. Um, You're fully scattered into your assist pool, so. Does completing your key refresh your assist scatter pool too? It does, right? I think so. Uh, I realize now that I haven't specified that, and I think that it should. So, yes. I do have a four here. Oh, that's good. I do not want anyone in the party to fall. So let's mark a point of perfection. Sot kind of clambers down after Cobb. Kids are upsettingly good climbers. Like, it's actually not fair how good they are at climbing things. It looks like they don't have to try, yeah. They just... Yeah. Yeah, Cobb has to try real hard to climb things. He can do it, but, you know... Yeah, Saw so just kind of monkeys down after you, and it's like, you okay, Captain? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. That was a little spooky there, but I'm good. I'm good. Everybody else okay up there? And I think Tissa was about to slip. Tissa was about to slip because I think she went for the same anchor that Cobb yanked out of the cliff face. But something told her not to. And it's Tissa, after all. When something tells her to do something, she... I think it's fair to assume she does, right? Pretty much. There's a lot of confusion in the world, and when something makes sense, it's best to follow that. Mm, yeah, that's Artissa. And Gideon is not an experienced climber, and, but has a pretty okay time of it. She's tougher than she looks. And she eventually, too, makes it down to the base of the plateau. So from here, you can see the orange glow of those torches at the top of the plateau and little else. 
It's just you and the scrub. And to the other side, the desert. And above, so many stars. So many. Well, if we've got it in us, it's not too far from here. We should be able to make it before it gets too late into the night. And it would go a lot easier crossing the desert at nighttime. Hmm. It would... Tissa moves to take a step forward as Cobb directed, and then all of the weight transfers onto her spear really fast, and she stands back and is... Um... I didn't sleep. Uh... Um... I didn't either. (laughs) Oops. Um... Sounds like it's best if we make camp, then. Very well. Not looking forward to going under the sun, but it is what's best. All right, everybody. Um... Let's see, what can we use for firewood? Oh, that's that's just exactly what I was thinking, too. Firewood. Oh, it's, it's, this is scrub land. There's scrub, there's determined little trees, there's, uh, like, brush. What are the spell pieces here? <gasps> F... If you'd rather S- not, I don't know. S I, and S and A. Mm. <laughs> They're all bad words. Because this is just really thinking like, well, I could make a not campfire again. I know how to do that. Yeah. Um, the spell pieces here are tenacious, illuminated, determined, sand, stone, and quiet. <laughs> I guess this time it's a quiet heat then. Ooh. And little sparks jump off of it, but they don't make any sound. It's extremely surreal. It hovers just a little bit off the ground. I just love the image of that. All right, well, let's let's take a breather then. I guess I'll see you all in the morning. Yeah. And Cobb is starting to fade pretty fast too now that his uh, <laughs> adrenaline is starting to run out. Yeah. Penelope will help keep watch since she did get some sleep. Yeah. I believe only she got some sleep. And Sot. I think and Sot. Sot and Penelope, yeah. With the- <laughs> yeah. Sot's still feeling pretty energetic. He can he can be a lookout for a bit. Gideon settles in next to Tissa by the pseudo fire and just kind of immediately passes out on her shoulder. Just wake me if you need anything, Penelope. And then Cobb kind of leans back on a bunch of, I don't know, probably like his rolled up jacket and some whatever he's keeping his stuff in. We'll, we'll keep an eye out. You get some sleep. And Tissa sits by the fire alone with her feelings before eventually things fade out. And the next day, it is day. Oh, golly. Day follows night, and when you awake, you can no longer see the glow of torches from up in the plateau. The sun is beating down. Not as cruelly as it could be. Not yet. Not yet. It's working on it. And everything is dusty and warm and 
Well, it's a different vibe than the desert at night. The scents are different when the sun hits the dust. Gideon wakes up. Somehow she fell completely over and was just slumped on the ground at one point and kind of gives an uncomfortable stretch. Sot fell asleep next to his captain and just kind of starts grumbling. Cobb is, is already up making coffee, rubbing the small of his back where he almost certainly slept on a rock. He oh. did. Penelope cast a look at where Cobb was. It was not the greatest spot to pass out, but you must have been so sleepy. Well, at least the warm air is good for your muscles, right? There is that. I've never been through the desert before. And Gideon rolls her shoulders. Yeah, I guess there's that. <sighs> Tissa resumes her train of thought from last night and looks very serious and sort of stands up in front of everyone and says, Um, I... I knew that that was important to do, but I feel like I did wrong by all of you. And I thought that I listened to every, but I, are you all okay? It that was, was hard and strange and. And it's fine, Tissa. We're fine. Mm -hmm. I mean, my neck hurts. Mm. Are you okay, Tissa? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, I'm relieved to hear that. Hey, you want coffee? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And Penelope's actually going to cast a spell. All right. Just a wee little one, but it's called Tenacious Heart. And it's going to give the whole crew a bit of a just like burst of, 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 uh, yeah, like adding electrolytes or whatever, like help with energy <laughs> and, and restoring stuff. T Tenacious Heart is the name of my new uh, sports drink. That's actually, that's like actually a pretty good name for a sports drink. <laughs> I love your uh, your very backwards approach to writing spells, where you're like, "What can I? What two words can I put together?" But I've already decided what it does. What two words can I put together? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I genuinely, I'm not dunking. I love it. <laughs> it's very fun. <laughs> that's um, ridiculous, but one scatter, please. <laughs> I, okay, one scatter for me. Everyone gains electrolytes. <laughs> I will mark that down on my sheet. <laughs> electrolytes, yes. And Gideon stretches again. Anyway, I'm fine. Especially now that we're out in the open. Yeah, well, the heat is a little much. Oh, I know. I appreciate the open sky. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got a while to go. I kind of took us off course. Well, just let us know when you're ready to go. Mm, 
it's... As soon as everyone can, it's better to get moving now. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I guess once we finish coffee, let's get a move on. Mm. And Cobb takes a bite of some of the dried fruit they picked up at the town. Yeah. Let's hit the road and eat some road snacks. It is a ways to the salt flats, but I wager... Well, I wager you have to take a stop around noon. Find kind of like an outcropping of rock or something to keep the sun off your backs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think Cobb is wearing his coat like a pseudo umbrella. He's got it like up over his head. Mm-hmm. Mm. And yeah, you find like a little oasis around noon that has a big old uh, rock that you can shade under for a while with the lizards. Lizard friends. They're not at all happy to see us. No, not thrilled. You do not belong here. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, everybody. And Cobb is trying not to sit on anyone. Sorry, we need to to take a break. Go on, go on. We'll be be out of your scales soon enough. (laughs) And Cobb looks up at this guy. Well, maybe if we get a little cloud coverage or something, it'll be soon, but... Let's try and keep out of the midday sun for as long as we can. And you manage to stay out of the midday sun. And as evening begins, you make your way to the salt flats. It is about dinner time. When you reach a place that is expansive and absolutely boiling over with reflected sunlight. Now, if I... Gideon rubs her eyes. <laughs> if I remember correctly, and Cobb kind of takes a look around. If I remember correctly. You know, I was always bad at this last part. Mm-hmm. He's squinting. He's He's got, like, one hand over his eyes, but he's, like, kind of hopping back and forth for the late day sun and then also trying to protect his eyes from the reflective light. I think I may need a little help from my navigator here. So what am I looking for? Well, so it's past that, and Cobb kind of points over to a little dip. Mm-hmm. And then it goes to what I think is like a little old salt ravine, and then goes over a little outcropping. You said that we could look over... No... Yeah. Okay. And Tissa gets to... Would this be a tracking role? Uh, or would this be. be a better navigation role? Mm, I'd take either, I think. I think I want it to be tracking because we're looking for a specific thing. Okay, yeah. I get my survival specialty bonus dice either way, so I'm just going to roll a whole bunch of these on this sensitivity tracking. Oh, you know the desert. Mm-hmm. You know how it'd be. Two successes, two edges. Oh, two successes is plenty. I think a quick scan of the territory shows you where the place Cobb is telling you about might be. And a closer examination lets you know that, yeah, this could be it. Well, perfect. I think Cobb says, all right, everybody, let's let's get going. Hopefully the sun will be down by the time we get there. That would be nice. And it is. Oh, good. Just as the sun goes down, 
there's a small ridge, and sticking out of the ridge is, well, it looks like a pole. Uh, It's about as tall as Cobb is and completely wrapped up in cloth. That little streamer at the top kind of dangles in the the light breeze that's here. And it overlooks more of the salt plain that's a lot dustier than it was. And Cobb gets up and steps forward up to the thing stuck in the ground and goes up. All right, finally. Well, it's where I left it. All right, let's grab you and go there, buddy. And he pulls on it and nothing happens. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I put it in there that hard. And and he, he kind of gets a little wider stance and he's got it with both hands and he's pulling on it. And all of a sudden he lets go and just goes, ow, what the, ow, mm. He looks down at, at his finger and that poked me. Oh, I know what it is. And Cobb walks back over to the group and has got his finger in his mouth. Oh, is it not for you? It's not mine. Mm. I think it wants its owner, Tessa. <laughs> Gideon looks back and forward between Cobb and Tessa, just like, what? <laughs> Doesn't say anything, just looks back and forth as they have this beautiful moment of thinking the same way. <laughs> I think Penelope also catches Gideon's eyes and is like, also like, mm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Gideon and Penelope kind of share a little shrug. Well, I guess go pick it up, Tissa, so we can get going. Mm. Um, um, can you hold mine? My other, my other, and this is starting to come to the thought of, wait, I have two now. What does that mean? What do you do when you have two? Oh, thank, thank you. And Tissa wanders over to the spear and looks at the little streamer hanging by its side and walks a circle around it. And puts a little bit of space in her hips, puts both hands on the pole. And what does Tissa find when she pulls it out? As she gets close to it, she can feel a wind kicking up around it. And the dust of the desert floor is, it looks like almost as if it's running away from it. And when she touches it, the wind picks up greatly and everybody can feel it at this point. It's not like gale force or anything, but it has definitely got all of Tissa's scarves aflutter, and even Cobb's jacket is getting kicked up at this point. And as Tissa's grip tightens on it, you notice that the cloth at the end has started to burn away like a fuse. Little crawling lines of light creep down the spear and burn away the hasty wrapping that Cobb put on it so long ago, and As the little creeping lights get to Tissa, they run down a yellow scarf that she wears, leaving behind a floral pattern with a large singular desert rose at the end of it. Unlike Cobb, the spear comes out instantly. She just picks it up as if it was not even in the ground at all. What she saw as weather-beaten and kind of tarnished, all of that is gone. 
It looks brand new, polished to a mirror finish. You get the feeling that it's comfortable in your hands, Tissa, that it wants to be there. I don't know how comfortable Tissa is, but the spear certainly feels like it wants to be there. The blade has more blade to it than Tissa's normal spear, and underneath it, two little wings in the shape of uh, little leaves. And right at the base, there is writing in a characters that Tissa doesn't recognize. And further down, the reddish wood of the spear is wrapped in a spiral of intricate metalwork. Tissa looks back to Cobb for just a moment, and she can see next to him someone she's never seen before. He's nowhere near as tall as Cobb is. Dark skin, long hair dyed, stark white and pulled back in tight locks. Wearing rugged sailor's clothes, he has a happy look on his face. But Tissa blinks and he's not there anymore. She looks back to the salt flat and the wind has blown away the dust, revealing a highly reflective silicate layer. And looking up at the stars and looking down, Tissa is surrounded in a field of bright twinkling lights, some of which are reflected in the blade of the spear is a, a little snapshot of a constellation for her. And the spear belongs to Tissa now. And if I may, these are those same stars again, the stars that she saw that night when she didn't die when she was able somehow to pick herself up, limp her way to someplace safer, lick her wounds, and figure out which way pointed forward. Well, Tissa, I'm glad we got that. And my old navigator used to say that the spear always pointed him in the right direction, and I think... I think he'd be very glad that it found someone to take care of it. Oh, he looked glad. Did you see him? Uh, see who? Um. Mm. And Cobb kind of looks around. Mm, no, it's just us here, Tessa. Gideon smiles. Mm. Cobb kind of <laughs> stifles a giggle. So, <clears throat> I do think it's kind of funny. The name of the spear, I can't remember, came from my old captain's homeland. But uh, I think he said that it roughly translated to something like uh, point or thorn. Um, I just find it funny that uh, most desert roses don't have thorns. Cobb just kind of smiles at Tissa. I think it's time for memories, huh? Yeah. Give your memories. My memory? Actually, that is such a very, very sweet scene to end on. With, like, the passing of the spear. It's, yeah, it, it got me. Hmm. Yeah, Tissa will have to find out what it does. Yeah. To begin with, Tissa's going to have to figure out what slashing is. Oh, wow. Well, I believe in you, Tissa. You can do it. <laughs> I actually have this like mental image of Tissa very, very carefully 
taking time to examine all the minute details of like the longer blade and just like getting into the details of what, like how it works and like the physics of it. Is that the right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I just I can I can picture that. Yeah, Tissa's new golden spear. Well, I don't think it's made of gold, but it has a nice gold color to it. Oh, to go along with the scarf. Hmm. Hmm. This was a tough arc to record. Dang. Yeah. This this one put me through a whole bunch of emotions. And them going off kind of makes me feel like she got off a little bit easy. But I think that that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think that has to be overall. I think my memory is this was a very personal and emotional arc for Tissa. And I think I think we did a real good job, everybody. Yeah, I um, I'm not sure I agree that Tissa got off easy because I think that um, a lot of what was going on was the party was like, no, we're we're with you. We're absolutely with you. And so, like, I think everyone recognizes that it was as much their choice as it was Tissa's leadership that got them where they are. So mm. I think that's why Tissa got off easy. I felt like I saw a lot of growth in Tissa, even though it was a tough journey um, internally. For, from what I can tell of of Tissa's interactions in that, like, Tissa usually doesn't take her uh, journeys in uh, in front of others uh, or, like, has never really asked that before. So it was a very, um, I really enjoyed seeing that, that kind of growth in her, um, even though it was a very tough one for Tissa, but it, it was... Uh, I feel it was an important thing for Tissa to to do, it seemed. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's one of the reasons why I wanted to give Tissa a fun little moment at the end. And Kat was nice enough to let me. Yeah. I am merciful. <laughs> I am merciful. So, um, thank you all for playing with me this arc, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. This was, uh, this was a really nice time. I had a lovely time. Yeah. Oh, I have to start thinking about the finale. Crap. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> but while while Kat thinks of, while Kat thinks of the finale, yes. If you would like to apply for your own mercies, you can contact us at Peach Garden RPGs on Twitter or peachgardengames.com. Yeah. You can find us on the heroic Discord, which is in our pinned tweet on Twitter, or you can find us at the Be Gay Roll Dice Network Discord. That's all very exciting. Yeah, and if you would like to show us your own mercies, we have a Kofi and a Patreon that you can find on our website. Yeah. And as always, thank you very much for listening. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. See you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Be gay. Roll dice. An LGBTQIA actual play podcast network. Hi, welcome to The Game is Afoot. This is a podcast where queer guests... I'm back, baby! ...play games. I pick my jaw up off the floor real quick. <laughs> real quick. Put that back on. And do an interview. My secret is... This is published on the first and third Sunday of every month, so come join us. And I hope you have a good time. 
Bye.